Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Today, we're going to find out about the best new books for young readers this holiday season. Yesterday, we talked about books for grown-ups. You can find that list and today's list on our website at IPR.org. This hour, we'll talk about picture books, books for early readers, middle grade readers, and young adult books. With me, I've got some veterans of the show. Janae Jackson-Doring is here, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa. Hello, Janae. Hi, Charity. How are you? Good. Welcome back to the show. Devin Redmond, Iowa City-based teacher librarian, is here. Hello, Devin. Hi, Charity. Hi, everyone. And a newcomer, Molly Roberts, is a children's bookseller at Prairie Lights Bookstore in Iowa City. Molly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is exciting to have you here. And we are going to start with books for young readers, the youngest of the readers. We'll start with some picture books. And we all have different numbers of each category on our list, so we won't we won't do our um, we won't take turns exactly throughout the hour, but we will get through these wonderful lists. And we're going to start with you, Janae, and we're going to start with a book that both you and Devin picked. So, can you tell us about your first pick? Yeah, my first pick is "How Does Santa Go Down the Chimney." This is written by Mac Barnett and illustrated by John Classen. So, Mac asks readers. How does Santa fit down? Fit himself down the chimney? Does he cinch up his waist? What if there's no chimney? If his outfit is dirty, does Santa use the washer and dryer in the house to wash it? This is a laugh-out-loud funny picture book because kids and readers have to ask themselves, how does Santa get down that chimney? Um, it shows Santa using night vision goggles or heat vision goggles. Um, they, it shows a young child leaving carrots instead of cookies for Santa. But my favorite image of this book is of the reindeer sitting on, standing on top of the roof watching Santa. And one of them is holding a coffee mug and looking like, hmm, $5, he doesn't get down that chimney. <laughs> This is an instant classic, instant hit. It has received starred reviews in Booklist, School Library Journal. Pick this up for your holiday selection. All right. How Does Santa Go Down the Chimney? Written by Mac Barnett, illustrated by John Clausen. And I mean, I have a whole stack of these holiday books, and so many come out every year, and a lot of them are a little bit lame. So it's wonderful <laughs> when you have you know, you have a real treasure that comes out that you're going to want to read again and again. And Devin, is there anything you want to add since that was one of your picks too? Well, I just thought that that book was especially funny because I remember asking that kind of same question, except my question was, how does Santa go down the chimney when we don't even have a chimney, Mom and Dad? So um, it was a very, very good book. All right. And you have picked, again, this is one that both of you selected. So Devin, I'll let you talk about Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Sleigh by Mo Willems. So I know that everybody knows that the pigeon books are out there and the kids to this day love them. I just wanted to be sure that everyone knew and had this book on their radar this holiday season. 
Um, it's just funny because, of course, we know that the pigeon wanted to drive the bus, but it's December now, and pigeon really wants to drive the sleigh. So this will be one that can also go in your basket of holiday books that you put out on the table, and the kids will love it, and so will the adults. And, of course, the great thing about the pigeon books is that they're so interactive, and you just can get kids going. And I'm sure, Devin, when you read them with kids at school, it must be a madhouse. It is. It is. They love it. And I remember... Remember, there was just this one boy who loved all of the pigeon books, and he would turn each page at the same time. And it seems like the pigeon always kind of throws his fit on the same page. And so, it, and there's there's a fit in this one too. Sure. So I, he wouldn't be pigeon <laughs> if there wasn't a fit. Don't let the pigeon drive the sleigh. Written and illustrated by Mo Willems and Molly. We are leaving the holiday books behind. But what's what's one of your picture book picks? Uh, one of the picture books I chose was Flooded by Maria Jo Illustrajo. Um, it's a book that tells the story of this bustling city full of animals, and the city is slowly flooding. And at first, only the small monkey seems concerned with this, this happening. Um, and he has a bright gold tail that the youngest of readers will like to s- search and find him on each page in these really detailed illustrations. Um, but the story, mes- the, the story carries a great message of equity, like what affects some of us really affects us all. Eventually, the animals all work together to pull the plug out of tug-of-war style to pull the plug out and all the water drains. Um, But the book is just a celebration of community and collaborative effort, and it's showing that when the animals work together to address this horrible flooding, that they, they can solve the problem together. All right, that's Flooded by Mariajo Illustrayo. And just really, really great illustrations, something yes. that you're going to want to sit and look. And yeah, they're so detailed. There's there's polar bears wearing rain boots. There's deer carrying briefcases and disposable coffee cups. And it is just really lovely detailed illustrations. Nice. All right, Janae, you've got another picture book for us. What's your next pick? Yes. So this one is called Mr. S. And this is written and illustrated by Monica Arnaldo. And so the kindergartners in room 2B notice something strange on their first day of school. There's no teacher in the classroom, just a mug of coffee on the ta- on the desk, an impressive-looking sandwich, and a name on the board, Mr. S. So there's a ruler that drops from the teacher's desk, and the kids look around, and they realize that it wasn't them that dropped the ruler. It was Mr. S, the sandwich. And so this zany story begins. These kids during the school day, they're learning their ABCs. So A is for avocado, B is for bagel, (laughs) C is for club sandwich, etc. They are having reading with Mr. S, the sandwich, recess and music class. While all this is happening, there's a man outside that you think is the teacher. He's dealing with his car being struck by lightning along with crazy raccoons and a pizza man. (laughs) So this is a very quirky, a very silly, silly offering from Arnaldo. It's very fun to read. But I love the image at the end where Mr. S says, actually, my name is Mr. And S and it just dot, dot, dot. And you turn to the end pages and it's a school picture of the sandwich, and his last name is covered in a mustard condiment. So you really don't know what Mr. S's real last name is. We never learn. We never learn the secret. That sounds like so much fun. All right, that one 
is Mr. S, written and illustrated by Monica Arnaldo. And Devin, what's your next picture book? Yeah, so it's no secret that I love dogs. And if you know me, you know I love dogs. And so I'm going to talk about a book called I Want 100 Dogs. And this is written by Stacy McAnulty. And it just came out on Halloween. And it was on my radar because Stacy McAnulty was the visiting author in the Iowa City School District. And I told the staff at my school that it was actually my new favorite book in the library. A little girl starts out by telling her grown-ups that she wants 100 dogs. And rightly so, they point out that's a lot of dogs to feed, (laughs) walk, or bathe. And so each time she makes a concession and she says, okay, 90 dogs. And then she says, okay, I can make do with 80 dogs. All right, fine. I'll settle for 70 dogs, and so on and so on. And it's actually one of those books that continues until the very last word. And when I read it, I happily yelled out at the end. And then I read it very quickly to a group of sixth graders at the beginning of class. And they were engaged. And at the end, there was this pause. And then they all also laughed out loud. Nice. And their laughter was just and, music to my ears. And Devin, how hard is it to get sixth graders engaged in a book? It, it is. It's, <laughs> it is hard, especially a picture book. But I read it quickly, and so they 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 liked it. Success. That's a that's a huge selling point. I want 100 dogs by Stacy McAnulty. And we're gonna just focus on dogs here for a moment. So Molly, you've got another dog picture book, right? Yeah, I chose uh, Be More Dog by Caroline Crow and illustrated by Carlos Velez. Um, in this book, a child spends the day with his dog, Sam, learning to enjoy just the ordinary things in life. The child struggles when their dad goes to work. He says, this morning, dad went to work, and I'm worrying my sadness got packed in his bag. But luckily, Sam, this expressive, scruffy little pooch, is there to ease some of this little boy's loneliness. Um, They pass the time hanging out at home with Granny and at the park, and Sam shows how wonderful things, these little sparks of happiness, can be found in the world just all around us. It's a, it's a low-conflict book. It's light and it's casual, which I think really complements the message that ordinary, everyday life can be really beautiful and really joyful. And Sam is just, he looks like my dog, which partly is one of the reasons why this book touched me so much. Um, he's this scruffy kind of mutt, and I love that you can see the little wiggle lines around his tail on every page that show that his tail is just continually wagging through the day. Oh, awesome. Be More Dog by Caroline Crow. And you've got another dog book, Devin. Tell us about it. Okay. Um, My second dog book is called Ten Dogs, and it's by Emily Gravitt. And I was looking, and I think that Janae last time at the book talk mentioned Ten Cats, and this is a follow-up to Ten Cats which I loved, but I'm definitely more of a dog person, so 10 dogs moved up to number one. The cats in the previous book, they all got mixed up with some cans of paint. And this time, the dogs showed their mischievous side by trying to get and eat all the sausages. At the very end, the dogs actually end up sharing the 10 sausages. And I read this book to my preschoolers. They love seeing the dogs and their chaos. And they loved talking about which puppy they thought was the cutest. So Gravit has always been one of my favorite illustrators. Her pictures in this book are silly, colorful, and very engaging. 
All right. And there are 10 dogs. Yes. As promised. Yes. <laughs> All right. 10 dogs by Emily Gravitt. So we had a whole dog section here. We're going to have to take a short break. We'll be back with more picture books. We'll talk about books for early readers. We'll talk about books for middle grade readers. And of course, books for young adult readers as well. And I'll, I'll repeat uh, these dog titles just in case you're making a list. Be More Dog by Caroline Crow. I Want 100 Dogs by Stacey McAnulty. And 10 Dogs by Emily Gravitt. And I want to remind you that this list is already up on our website. You can go to IPR.org and find all of these great titles that Devin Redmond, Janae Jackson-Doring, and Molly Roberts are talking about this hour. You can also find the list we compiled yesterday when we focused on books for grown-ups. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are finding out about the best new books for young readers this holiday season. With me this hour, I have Janae Jackson-Doring, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa, Devin Redmond, Iowa City-based teacher, librarian, and Molly Roberts, children's bookseller at Prairie Lights Bookstore in Iowa City. Their lists are already on our website at IPR.org. You can also find the list that we created yesterday of great new books for grown-ups as well. And we are focusing on ch- on picture books right now. And we'll move on to early readers in just a moment. And both Devin and Molly, you both have four more, a few more picture books to talk about. So Devin, I'll let you um, pick another one from your list that you want to talk about. Okay. I think I will pick Tokyo Night Parade by J.P. Takahashi. And this one was kind of an unexpected buy and... I bought it completely because of the cover. They're kind of really this magical purple and pinks and oranges on the cover with these imaginative creatures and I think a little girl who's dressed up in a costume. But it's actually a mix of old and new Japanese culture that is evident in the picture book Tokyo Night Parade. According to Japanese folklore, the night parade of 100 demons takes place when the human and supernatural or yokai worlds overlap. I'm not sure if I'm saying that word right, but the main character in the story, Eka, she lives in both Tokyo and New York City, but her time in Tokyo is coming to an end, and she isn't sure when she'll be back to visit the strange and unexplainable creatures. The book is a nod to friendship and living in the moment. But I think what might interest many of your child readers is that these magical ghosts or monsters, the yokai, has inspired some of the Pokemon creatures that so many kids love. Oh, nice. And that cover is just stunning. And I suppose in children's books, even even more often, we do judge a book by its cover. So I'm glad that it didn't disappoint. <laughs> um, Tokyo Night Parade by J.P. Takahashi and um, illustrated by Minako Tamahara. 
And Molly, you have another picture book to share with us? Yeah, I'm going to talk about The Grand Hotel of Feelings by Lydia Brankovic. Um, This book is all about emotions, which can be really abstract and elusive. That can make it hard for us to identify what they're feeling and even harder for us to kind of regulate our emotions. Um, This book takes a unique approach to examining all the confusing things we feel by personifying every emotion as these little whimsical creatures who come to stay in this hotel. They be taken care of by the hotel manager. They need all sorts of different attention. Anger needs a lot of room to make noise, whereas sadness needs to be listened to very closely. Um, But the important thing is that all emotions are welcomed by the manager, who says, Feelings come in all shapes and sizes. Some are big and some are small, but no guest is ever turned away from the hotel. I make room for all feelings, no matter how difficult they may be. Um, this book carries a message of calm acceptance that will help children learn learn about their emotions, learn about these confusing, elusive things that we feel, um, and it will give them these intricate and these really magical illustrations to kind of embody those emotions. Nice. The Grand Hotel of Feelings by Lydia Brankovic. Sometimes a kid just needs a word for what they're feeling. That helps so much. Devin, another picture book from you? Okay, I will do There Was a Party for Langston by my favorite Jason Reynolds. And I really, I I do love this book. But I think after I read it, I just sort of sat for a second and I liked picturing Jason Reynolds finding the picture of Maya Angelou and Amiri Baraka dancing at the library and coming up with the story more because that was a real photograph. And Jason Reynolds, he found out that the party was back in 1991, and it was a celebration of poet Langston Hughes. And he turned that celebratory and dancing-filled party photo into a picture book honoring one of the country's greatest writers. And Reynolds's words also, as they always kind of seem to do, have that jazzy feeling which acknowledges the jazz poetry that Langston Hughes was famous for as well. Nice. A Party for Langston uh, by Jason Reynolds. And there was a party for Langston by Jason Reynolds. And Molly, your final picture book pick. Yes, I want to talk about A Walk in the Woods by Nikki Grimes. Um, This is just a beautiful, powerful book about grief, which is something that a lot of children, for many different reasons, struggle with. Um, The opening image is a boy looking in the mirror a week after his father's funeral. He says, why, Dad, why did you have to leave? And it's just like a punch in the chest. But it's the kind of punch in the chest that kind of helps you start breathing again. The boy's father left him a map in the woods that they loved together. And this map leads him to a hidden box that's filled with all these poetry and drawings that the father did when he was the boy's age. And then in that box is a letter, and he says, This last page is for you, son. Draw and write your own story. I'll always be watching. Later on that same page, the boy asks, Can you smile and cry at the same time? And that's what this book was like for me. It's definitely heavy. It's a sad book. But it's also so moving and poignant and beautiful. And I think it's just an important book for the children who need it. Yeah. A Walk in the Woods by Nikki Grimes. And how about one last picture book from you, Devin? Okay. Um, Let me do 
something. No, I'm going to do a really light one after Molly's heavier one. All right. But this one is called Party Hardy Kitty Corn, and it's by Shannon Hale. And it's not going to win any awards, but it's sparkly, it's bright, it's glittery, and it has a unicorn. So the kids are going to love it. Kitty is ex- Kitty is a character who wants to be a unicorn, and so she has a little headband with with a unicorn horn, and she is excited to throw a party for her friend Unicorn. But oh man, Kitty gets really mad when Puppy ruins all the plans and the decorations, and she gets even more mad and loses her cool when her best friend Unicorn thinks that Puppy's antics are cute and adorable. Big emotions arise, but so do deep breaths and apologies. The kids love all of the books in this Shannon Hale's Kitty Corn series. All right. That sounds like so much fun. And you know exactly which kid to get that for, right? (laughs) Party Hardy Kitty Corn by Shannon Hale. Let's move into books for early readers. And I know that this is such a, a tough transition to get a lot of kids through to find just the right books to get them excited about reading on their own. And uh, Janae, why don't you lead us off? What's your first pick for young readers? Yes. So I have See the Ghost, three stories about things you cannot see. This is written and illustrated by David La Rochelle. And this is a very simple uh, early reader book. And there's big laughs abound with these simple three chapters. So the cat and the dog are dealing with a ghost they cannot see. And each chapter has simple repetitive sentences. So the first one says, see the ghost. And the ghost says, boo. See, the ghost scare the dog. Boo. And the dog's like, yikes. See, the ghost scare the cat. Boo. It's a ghost. Help me. Help me. Save me. So throughout the book, the dog and the cat cannot see this ghost. And in the other chapters, the dog and the cat have a picnic together, only to be blown away by the ghost and the wind. And in the last story, there's a fairy, a ghost fairy named Trixie that changes the cat into a unicorn and the dog changes from a yellow dog to a blue dog and Trixie puts boxer shorts on the ghost. So it's cute, funny, and it's a simple early reader book for kindergarten first graders. And also, we have a dog who can see ghosts, so I think think a lot of dogs can for sure. That sounds like so much fun. See the Ghost, three stories about things you cannot see, written and illustrated by David La Rochelle. Molly, what's your first book for early readers? Uh, My first kind of transitional chapter book is When Dad's Hair Took Off by Jorg Mule. And it's one of those books that just balances complete absurdity with just enough real-life truth that truth that it has this balance of shenanigans and substance. Um, Dad's hair, which is illustrated as all these little pinpricks of ink, decides one day to just leave his head. And Dad chases it all through town. He's in a bathrobe. He's very distressed that his hair is gone. Um, he chases it all over town and until the hair escapes Um, by being washed down the drain at the zoo. But then postcards start arriving from the hair from places like (laughs) Manhattan and Arizona and Buenos Aires. Um, I love this book because the younger readers will really enjoy the humorous chase scenes and the quirky illustrations, while even slightly older readers and even adults will be amused by the wordplay and the puns. 
it's a very silly story, but there's also the sense that every word was carefully deliberated and chosen to keep the story moving. It moves along so well. Um, it's a perfect story for adventurous beginning readers and for reading and laughing aloud together. All right, especially if your dad is bald, maybe. <laughs> all right, When Dad's Hair Took Off by Jorg Mula. And all right, the next pick that both Molly and Janae have on your lists is The Skull by John Clausen. Janae, do you want to kick that off? Yeah, so this is about a young girl named Otella, and she runs away at night. After falling in the snow and crying, she stumbles upon an old house. She calls out hello and finds in the window a skull looking at her. The skull rolls down to the door and lets her in on the condition that she must promise to carry him everywhere. And I loved this retelling because it has that Tim, Bur- Tim Burton-esque vibe to it, and it's perfect for second and uh, second grades and up. Um, the skull shows Attila around the house. She makes tea for him, which it just goes on the seat. <laughs> Does he doesn't drink it? Um, he, she dances with the skull, and the skull warns her of the headless skeleton that that wants the skull. Um, this was just perfect. If you if you have kids that have that love spooky stories, this is just the right amount of spooky for them. Um, and even if you're having like a Halloween story time, this would be great for a retelling for story time as well. All right, the skull, a Tyrolean folktale written and illustrated by John Clausen. Did you want to add anything, Molly? Since this was also one of your picks. Yeah, um, I just want to add that Clausen's author note at the end of the book is really interesting. Um, especially for the parents who might be reading this book alongside their children. It talks about how he encountered the original folktale in a library in Alaska, forgot the name, forgot the title, forgot the author, um, emailed the librarians a year later, and they were able to find that folktale for him. Nice. Hooray for librarians. Yes. And his (laughs) author's note um, just talks about the purpose of storytelling and the fickleness of memory and how those two kind of go together and how we remember stories is how they change over time. And it was just really interesting at the end there. All right. So fun for grownups, too. <laughs> the Skull by John Clausen. Molly, why don't you tell us about the next pick on your list for early readers, too? All right. I picked uh, Hooray for Anna Hibiscus um, by Atanuke. Um, it's actually uh, illustrated chapter book series. There's a lot of books. They started coming out in the mid-2000s, and they're kind of being re-released, reprinted right now. Um, but they are set in modern-day Nigeria. And what I love about these books is that they balance just everyday life in Nigeria with like traditional elements of culture there. Um, Anna is surrounded by her large family, and they live in this old house with a garden and a compound. Um, And hooray for Anna Hibiscus specifically. Anna prepares to sing a solo for a visiting president. She runs away to escape hair braiding day. She plays hide and seek with her family by candlelight. Um, These novels are just a joyful little slice of life that will put young readers in a place that might be unfamiliar to them, but filled with very ordinary child conflicts, ordinary child things that show us really that the world isn't quite as strange as it as it might seem. Yeah, well, I just love Anna Hibiscus. I read them with my daughter. Hooray for Anna Hibiscus by Atanuke. And uh, Devin, you've got an early reader pick, too. I do. The one I have is called Ali the Great and the Market Mishap, and it's written by Sadia Faruqi. 
And Ali in the Great Market Mishap is a cute, simple story about a boy who goes shopping with his grandfather. And they go to a South Asian grocery store that highlights some of the Pakistani snacks eaten by this Urdu-speaking family. Well, the boy loses his younger brother in the grocery store, but he ends up solving his problem with his quick thinking. And when I read this book to first graders, one of the kids yelled out, they said, hey, that's my language. And then when we got to the pages talking about kurkure, the spicy hot chips, um, the same kid yelled out, my family eats those. Oh, awesome. And so... I think seeing this kind of representation in books benefits all kids, and I'm thankful for this book and the others that are in the series. All right, Ollie and the Ollie the Great and the Market Mishap, Sadia Faruqi, and you've got another early reader too, Janae, right? Yes, this is called Cat on the Run in the Cat of Death. This is written and illustrated by Aaron Blabby. Now, for those who know Aaron Blabby, he is the author of the popular The Bad Guy series. So this is the first in the series, and this is about Princess. She's a popular internet cat sensation with tons of followers thanks to those silly, hilarious cat videos that she creates. But she's also a cat diva. She throws vanilla lattes in her assistant's face and she says, get me a green tea. My body is a temple. <laughs> I thought that was super funny. <laughs> um, she's demanding things. And when she goes to film her next cat video, a group only known with a Scorpion logo deliberately sends her the launch codes for nuclear weapons. And she unknowingly becomes a cat criminal. So this book has black and white and red illustrations. And Aaron is known for just these funny, goofy, zany illustrations and kid humor. Um, so if you have fans of the bad guys, you definitely want to pick up, pick up Cat on the Run. Cat on the Run in Cat of Death by Aaron Blabby. And okay, final early reader pick, Molly. Uh, I chose The Puppets of Spell Horse by Kate DiCamillo, who is one of my favorites from when I was a little girl. Um, this is a, a fairy tale that has a really surprising kind of narrative structure. Um, it tells the story of five puppets, a king, a boy, a wolf, a girl, and an owl, who are originally purchased from a toy shop by an old sea captain, and then eventually they kind of wind up in the home of Emma and Martha. It's many stories in one novella, the outside frame of Spellhorse, the old sea captain, the inside frame of what happens to the puppets in their new home with Emma and Martha. They get One of them gets taken away by a hawk, and another one gets mistaken for a feather duster by the maid. And then the innermost story is a stage play that the girls produce using the puppets, which, unbeknownst to them, actually tells the story of the sea captain Spellhorse life. Despite its sophisticated narrative structure, this novella is so easily digestible for young readers. The story just flows seamlessly from one page to another, all with a very enchanting kind of fairy tale aura to it. The prose is really spare but poetic, and it lets the themes shine, the power of storytelling and fulfillment, and the meaning of identity and belonging. That is The Puppets of Spellhorse by Kate DiCamillo. We'll be back. We'll talk about books for middle grade readers and young adult readers in just a moment with Molly Roberts of Prairie Lights Bookstore in Iowa City, Devin Redmond, Iowa City-based teacher and librarian, and Janae Jackson-Doring of the State Library of Iowa. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. 
Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we're finding out about the best new books for young readers this holiday season. You can take a look at this list. It's already up on our website, IPR.org. You can also find the list we created of the best new books for grown-up readers there as well. And with me this hour, Molly Roberts of Prairie Lights Bookstore in Iowa City, Janae Jackson-Doring, Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa, and Devin Redmond, Iowa City-based teacher and librarian. We're moving Moving into books for middle grade readers now. And uh, Devin, you can lead the way. What's your first pick? All right. My first pick is Curl Friends by Cherie Martin. This is a graphic novel. Um, but Curl Friends is very cute. It's a feel-good graphic novel or comic about a girl who has moved around for her whole childhood. Her dad was in the Air Force, which didn't really allow for her to have good, strong friendships. But now that her dad is retired and they're back in his hometown, Charlie is ready to make some close friends. And she's read about friendships. She's studied all of the current fashion styles. And she's very confident she can make herself into the perfect person who, will, who everyone will want to be friends with. But in doing this, she's kind of hiding who she really is and what she really likes. Charlie eventually learns, though, that honesty and being true to yourself is ultimately what really matters. And there are lots of stories about girls who are, who are mean, but there were very kind girls in this story, which is what I really liked. Like I said, no heavy topics, just a story about being who you are. All right, and that's Curl Friends? Mm -hmm. Curl Friends New in Town by Cherie Miller. And Molly, what's your first uh, middle grade pick? My first one is The Fire, the Water, and Maudie McGinn by Sally J. Pla. Um, this book touched me so deeply and personally. I think I cried four times while I was reading it in the, in the single night it took me to read. Um, at its very basis, it's about a tween girl kind of realizing her inherent self-worth and just her value. There's a lot going on in the novel. Uh, Maudie is autistic. And as the novel goes on, we realize that her mom and dad kind of, her mom and stepfather kind of enforce this negative self-belief that this makes her less than a worthy person. But during the time of the novel, Maudie is with her amazing father, and they have to flee to a trailer in a beach town to escape a wildfire. It's here that Maudie learns to surf. She spends the summer finding joy out in the ocean and learning, thanks to some really wonderful, kind people, that just she is valued and important just the way she is. There are so many powerful moments in this transformation, and this book will touch the soul of really any reader, because everyone deserves to reminded, be reminded from time to time that they are worthy. Um, this is just a really life-affirming novel that reminds us that everyone deserves to be loved and everyone deserves to be happy. Yeah, so powerful for anyone, probably extra powerful for the neurodivergent kids yes, in your life. Yes, absolutely. The Fire, the Water, and Maudie McGinn, and uh, that one is written by Sally J. Pla. And Janae, what's on your list? So my pick is a, it's a graphic novel, A First Time for Everything. This is written and illustrated by Dan Santat. And the book just won the 2023 National Book Award for Young People's Literature this month. 
Um, I love this book. Uh, it's about Dan in middle school. Uh, he's he's a good kid, never got into trouble. And at school, he's bullied. Even the girls make fun of him. And he just feels invisible. And he really doesn't understand why his parents are allowing him to go on a three-week class trip overseas in Europe, since the same mean girls are going as well. But the trip changes his life, and he really gets to discover himself. And he discovers his first love as he develops a crush on Amy. Um, This is a heartfelt book. It's funny. And the cool thing about this book, there's a QR code in the front of the book where kids can... um, scan the code and it takes to, takes you to Dan's Spotify playlist, his music mixtape cool. that he listened to when he was on the trip. And the playlist has songs from U2, The Cure, Talking Heads, Madonna, Depeche Mode. And he even kept in touch with his classmates and Amy and reached out to them for this book. And it's it's amazing. All right. And of course, we've, we've been hearing quite a bit about that one. <laughs> recently, since it just won the National Book Award, a first time for everything written and illustrated by Dan Santat. And uh, Devin, why don't you give us two here? Okay. The first one I'll talk about is Parachute Kids by Betty Tang. It is also a graphic novel. And I just wanted to start off by say, uh, with just a little bit from the author's note. And because I didn't know it, but the term parachute kids refers to children from Asia who have been dropped off with friends or relatives in foreign countries while their parents stayed behind. I felt compelled to write it because I think it is important for more people to know about these children and their parents. And that was written by Betty, Betty Tang, the author of this book. So I really did like this book book quite a bit. It's about three siblings who are left to fend for themselves in America while their parents return to Taiwan. The whole time I was reading it, I just couldn't imagine it really happening, even though it does. Could kids really take care of themselves? It felt unfair to do this to the oldest kid and daughter. How could you make her responsible for everything? And how could you also put the pressure of being accepted to an Ivy League college on top of everything else? The story did feel like it might be better suited for an older audience, though Feng Li, or Anne, is grade school aged, and the book is mostly told from her point of view. The book wasn't exactly sad, but it still made me feel, have a heavy heart. It wasn't neatly wrapped up at the end, and I did really love the artwork. All right, Parachute Kids by Betty Tang. And another one, Devin? Yeah. Um, The other one that I'll do is The Lost Library by Rebecca Stead or Steed and Wendy Masses, The Lost Library. It's a fantasy mystery for second or third graders on up. Some questions readers might ask as they are reading it. These are questions I asked. Who's real in this story? Who is a ghost? Do cats and mice talk to each other and humans just can't understand? (laughs) How do you become a librarian? What exactly does library mean? Who started the fire? What jobs do our parents really do? And what was their life like before they had kids? The reason I loved the book was because it reinforces my idea that libraries are for everyone and things always seem to be better when we're honest with ourselves. The book is told from multiple perspectives. 
I did find myself getting a little teary-eyed at one point in this story, but that's The Lost Library. All right, The Lost Library by Rebecca Stead and Wendy Moss. And a collaboration. They, they both publish books on their own as well. Um, Molly, what's next on your list? I've got The Plot to Kill a Queen by Deborah Hopkinson. And this is just historical fiction and a little bit of mystery for middle schoolers at its finest. Um, it follows Amelia, who is a mus- musician in Elizabeth- Elizabethan England. Um, she is sent undercover to Sheffield, Ca- Sheffield Castle to infiltrate the exiled Mary Queen of Scots's court and expose a plot to kill Queen Elizabeth I. Um, Amelia is a plucky, resourceful young spy who will be loved by anyone who loves Nancy Drew will fall in love with Amelia for sure. Um, she's also head over heels in love with theater, despite that being an entirely male world at the time, and she wants to write a play. So the novel really balances this spy plot with her exposing the plot to kill the queen with her desire to be a playwright. In the book, even at the end, the book includes the one-act play that Amelia writes um, with stage directions and everything like that so kids could act it out themselves. And the, ba- the back matter in the book also includes a lot of interesting information about 16th century f- theater in Elizabethan England. All right. So... Somebody who reads this is going to feel very, very well informed about this time in history. The Plot to Kill a Queen by Deborah Hopkinson. Janae, what's next on your list? Yeah, I have Duel. It's written by Jessica Bagley and illustrated by Aaron Bagley. It's a graphic novel, and it's about two sisters, Lucy and Gigi. They're biracial sisters, and they also are fencers. Their father taught them fencing right before he died. And after he died, things haven't been quite the same with the sisters. And now they're in middle school, and Gigi is in eighth grade, very popular. On her first, on their first day of school, Gigi humiliates Lucy, who's in sixth grade, by tripping her in the cafeteria. And Lucy's not having it. She snaps and challenge, pulls out her, her sword and says, hey, I challenge you to a duel. And automatically they get in trouble by the principal. But they're going to still have this duel. And if Gigi wins, Lucy will stay out of her way. But if Lucy wins, Gigi will stop bullying her. I love this graphic novel because it's so different. It teach it basically captures sibling rivalry and explores siblings' grief, love, forgiveness, and you learn a lot about fencing nice. because each chapter opens with a fencing tip or technique. All right, duel written by Jessica Bagley and illustrated by Aaron Bagley, a graphic novel. All right, I don't want to short us on time for the young adult books, but you all have more middle grade picks, so can let's do a lightning round. Devin, just tell us the the title and one line about your final middle grade pick. All right, um, my final pick is Christina Suntornvats. Legends of Lotus Island, The Guardian Test. This is a very accessible fantasy book, um, which will allow for many readers to enjoy it. Um, The Plum is the main character. She is accepted into the Guardian Academy, a school where people learn to transform into magical creatures who protect the region. This had lots of Thailand, it had a Thailand inspired setting, which included foods and flora and fauna. All right. The Legends of Lotus Island, The Guardian Test by Christine Sorntevant. And Molly, very quickly. Yeah, my last one is Mascot by Charles Waters and Tracy Sorrell. 
Um, it's a novel in verse, but as far as novels in verse go, this one's very approachable for middle schoolers. And it's about um, six eighth graders who get involved with their community drama of whether or not the Native American mascot for their middle school should be changed or not. All right, a drama that is playing out in a lot of schools. Uh, mascot by Charles Waters and Tracy Sorrell. Janae, your final middle grade pick. Yep, Mexican, and it's written and illustrated by Pedro Martin. Uh, it's a graphic novel. Uh, Pedro, he he's chronicling his 1970s childhood, and he's out of, uh, there's nine kids, and they take a Winnebago to Mexico to pick up their abuelito. And it's a coming-of-age story because Pedro's learning more about his grandfather, and it's just a great, hilarious story of family, identity, and culture. All right, Mexican, written and illustrated by Pedro Martin. And now let's talk about young adult books. And uh, you're, you've got a long list, Molly, and we don't have a lot of time. So why don't you, again, just tell me briefly about two of them. All right, I've got Frontera by Julio Anta. It's a graphic novel that follows a young boy, Mateo, who's going to be a senior in high school, who has to cross the Sonoran Desert and cross into the United States by himself. But when he gets separated from the coyote his parents hired to help him cross the border, he gets into a lot of trouble. But luckily he meets Guillermo, who is a ghost who lives in the desert and helps um, migrants make the journey um, across into the United States. Um, it offers such a humanizing look at migrants who cross the border and just gives us emotional insight for why they choose to make that journey. It explores themes of trust and reliance. Like what does it really mean to trust somebody and why is trust a two-way street? But it's also just an action-packed story that just drives right forward in the art, the I loved in the art the way that ghost Guillermo is portrayed um, flying around, and um, it's just a, a very quick, fast read. All right, Frontera by Julio Anta, and very quickly, one more. I've got Stateless by Elizabeth Wine, which is an aviation adventure novel that centers on an airplane race, airplane race across Europe in 1937. The main character is Stella North, and she is the only female contestant in this race. Cool. Stateless by Elizabeth Wine. Janae, can you do two picks really quickly? Yep. Uh, Unordinary volume, volume One. It's written and illustrated by Uru Chan. It's a graphic novel with manga-style artwork. Uh, basically, this is a webtoon that is about John, who's transferred to a new high school. All the students have superpowers, and what they don't realize is that he has a secret past and superpowers that could bring the whole school's social order down. If you have manga fans... This is perfect for them. And my second pick is Warrior Girl Unearthed. It's written by Angeline Bully. If you loved Firekeeper's Daughter, you're going to love this book because readers travel back to Sugar Island where Donis Fontaine's cousin Perry notices that there are missing indigenous women in their hometown. Her family's involved in a high-profile murder investigation, and she has to take matters into her own hands by solving the mystery and reclaiming her people's inheritance. All right, Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bouli and Ordinary Volume 1, written and illustrated by Ru Chan. And you get the final pick of young adult, Devin. All right, um, I am going to choose Sunshine by Jarek Krasoska. And he you might recognize his name. He wrote Hey Kiddo, which is a graphic novel about his family's addictions. The cover of Sunshine says it's a follow-up, but 
I don't really think it is. It's just another chapter of Kroska's life, the time he spent as a camp counselor at a camp for seriously ill kids and their families. Some people thought the book may have viewed the campers as lessons for healthy people and that Kroska should have focused more on the reality of the kids' illnesses, but I, I kind of disagreed, and I felt the book focused on optimism, love, and giving. And he is very forthcoming that this experience completely changed the trajectory of his life. Um, it is, this book is labeled YA or young adult, but I don't know if it was the content about the kids with the serious illness with cancer that moved it into the YA category, but it would really be fine for any mature reader, um, fourth grade on up. All right. Sunshine by Jarrett Kozgoska. And we seem to be in the golden age, not just of YA literature, but also the golden age of the graphic novel right now. There's just so much good stuff out there. Devin Redmond, thank you so much. Thank you, Charity. Devin Redmond, Iowa City-based teacher and librarian. Molly Roberts, thank you. Thank you. Molly Roberts is a children's bookseller at Prairie Lights Bookstore. And Janae Jackson-Doring, thank you. Thank you so much, Charity. Janae Jackson-Doring is Youth Service Coordinator for the State Library of Iowa. This list is up on our website right now, IPR.org. You can find the best new books for young readers and the best new books for grown-ups there as well. We had production assistance today from Tony Sarabia and digital support from Josie Fishels. Our producers are Caitlin Troutman, Samantha McIntosh, and Danny Gear. I'm Charity Nebbe. Have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>